and welcome to Seppa Stories. All right, so it's been a few days, and I have a delicious stack of stories to be reading and to share with you. So I do apologize for any delay in getting back with you guys, but it was for a good cause and scouting some wonderful reads. And speaking of that, I have to tell you kind of a fun little side story before we jump into today's or this episode's story. So I do post to several fan fiction sites and groups on uh, Facebook. And I actually posted up the SEPA link to one of the groups that, that I'm a part of and got an immediate response from a couple of writers who were interested in donating some stories or contributing some stories to our SEPA podcast. So I did check online and they had some amazing writing and some amazing stories, which will be a part of my reading selections. Um, this episode is one of them. So one of the things you know that I wanted to share with you as listeners, if you're looking for fan fiction to read and enjoy, and you do have a Facebook account, look up like Harry Potter fan fiction and tons of sites will pop up. These sites are really fun to be a part of because you not only can follow a writer that you might like and, and kind of see their thought process and, and how their writing unfolds and what works for them. You get to see that real time. They frequently will post up different links and you can follow along a story, but there are also readers and fans of fan fiction fandom who will follow different sites and they'll share links and stories to like really well-loved writers that, you know, maybe you hadn't seen in a while or or maybe you want to try a different, you know, type of genre. So, you know, those are really kind of interesting leads. And, and when you have a dialogue of people talking about things, you tend to get the better stories that kind of float up. Miss Fig is a fan fiction writer, Mrs. Fig, that um, has since passed. She was a grandmother, and she wrote amazing fan fiction stories early on when fan fiction was really just getting a toehold and becoming quite popular. Um, she has since passed, and I, I would love to reach out to her family members to see if I could read some of her stories um, and get permissions. I, I do know that she's been featured on other podcasts. I would love to be able to, to read one of her stories, but that's an example of what you might find or a reference to, you know, writers of, of that caliber or or that, that fun type of writing when you join some of these Facebook groups, if that is something you're interested in doing. Tumblr is also a great place to follow um, new writers as they're writing and developing fan fiction pieces, so keep that in mind. Okay, so Let's get to talking about this story. This author is really interesting in that this writer is posting both up to fanfiction.net and archive of our own. Now, many writers do this. However, what's unique about this writer is that on fanfiction.net, if you are looking for stories like what we're about to read and you want to read more of this author's work, and I guarantee you will, you'll want to search this writer's name by the pen name Keep Smiling Number One. So it's Keep Smiling, all one word, followed by the numeric one, and the K and the S are capitalized. So in fanfiction.net, you would key that name into the search field watching the capitalization and then all of her writing will pop up and this writer has a lot 
of posted stories. So if you like what you're about to hear and you'd want to read more, you would follow this writer on fanfiction.net under Keep Smiling 1. Now, an archive of our own, the same writer is posting but utilizing different pen name. And this is sometimes common with fanfiction writers who are maybe um, trying different things out or maybe they're modifying stories. You, you see this happen from time to time. Though it's not common, it, it can happen. So this writer is posting under archive of our own utilizing the pen name MAP Monsters Are Perceptions and that's capitalized M-A-P then the following is all one word no spaces Monsters Are Perceptions so there's no spaces in that. So I thought that was kind of interesting and wanted to call attention to that. If you're looking for this writer's uh, stories, be aware this writer is utilizing two different pen names. And that is a device that you will see happen from time to time uh, from some writers posting and, and publishing their works. Okay, so yay, let's dive into our story. Okay, so this story is titled Names pen name on archive of our own as we just mentioned is map monsters are perceptions we have a rating of teen and up audiences there are trigger warnings of major character death uh, there is child abuse referenced child death um, it is kind of an origin story it actually it is an origin stories and we have werewolves and I'm like yay werewolves <laughs> so so with that we do have an author summary let's dive a little bit into this I'm only going to read part of it so we can dive into the story names have meaning they can set you on a path you've never imagined Maximus Donovan Stone's life was supposed to be simple he would be an aura like his father and help keep children like his brother safe then life threw a curveball and everything went wrong so that kind of gives you an idea about what we're about to read and now we are about to dive in so let's check out this really wonderful story and I hope you love it as much as I do titled names by map monsters are perceptions and we will begin now name changes Maximus Donovan Stone always knew that he was meant to be a great warrior. It was foretold by his name, and for as long as he could remember, his father had talked about him following in his footsteps and becoming a great oar to protect the innocent. Of course, destiny to a child is a fanciful thing taken for granted and ignored until something makes their so-called destiny real. For Maximus, that day came when he was twelve years old and first held his beautiful baby brother for the first time. Finn's blonde hair and delicate features contrasted greatly with Maximus's strong frame and dark coloring. The contrast seemed to call to the elder, protect, protect, protect. When Maximus returned to Hogwarts that night, he knew that his purpose would be to protect the children. While Maximus got into his fair share of scrapes at Hogwarts, it was always in defense of younger students, and ultimately his will to do what was right combined with his exceptional grades contributed to his being made the head boy in his final year. The pride on his father's face and the aesthetic hug provided by his little brother served to help him create the only corporeal or patronus of his yearmates. 
During his valedictorian speech in 1960, Maximus referenced the 15th anniversary of Grindelwald's defeat and called all his peers into the protection and service of those who would follow. We who have completed our education and gone through our magical inheritance have the duty and privilege to watch out for those who come after ourselves. Through whatever means is at our disposal, together we can create a world in which the likes of Grindelwald have no foothold. That mentality would see Maximus through the many grueling hours of first-year aura training, and his resolve to protect the innocent would only be strengthened the first time he saw the corpse of a seven-year-old squib who had been murdered by her family. Again and again the young aura-to-be found himself exposed to the travesties against the most innocent. Muggle-born students were at risk of attack in Diagon Alley, if alone. Suspected squibs would be placed in more and more dangerous situations in a bid to get a magical response. While Maximus's resolve to become an aura remained diamond-hard, he withdrew unto himself as time passed. Ultimately, Finn was the one who brought his brother back from a dark place by requesting monthly adventures with Maximus. The boys always had a grand time visiting sites and eating their weight and junk food. These trips with Finn held Maximus together and reminded him of the beauty in the world. Brother, you're here. Is it time to go? It is, isn't it? Come on, let's go. Finn tried to pull Maximus out the door while simultaneously angling behind him for protection against their mother, who held her dreaded handkerchief. Dear, you've got a smudge on your cheek. It'll take but a moment to clean off, she cooed at her youngest. Maximus just laughed as he left his brother to his fate. Mrs. Stone turned her eyes to her eldest. You need to eat more, dear. You're losing too much weight, she fretted. Actually, I'm gaining muscle, Mom. We're fine. Maximus smiled. His mother's protective instincts acted as a balm for his soul, almost as much as his brother did. Where are you boys off to this time, she asked. Maximus is taking me camping, the over-enthusiastic six-year-old exclaimed. Dear, are you sure that's wise? It's the full moon tonight. Anxiety clearly heard in her voice. It's fine, Mom. I've scouted the place out. Everyone in the area says that it's a peaceful land, and there's never been a problem. Besides, I'm almost a full or We'll be safe. That confidence would prove to be the downfall of the Stone family. Get behind me, Finn! Maximus shouted that night. As Finn moved, a vicious snarl erupted from the huge beast before them. The boys had awoken to the sound of their campsite being destroyed, and a year's worth of aura training meant little if one's wand was lost in the confusion and the darkness of the night. By some miracle, Finn walked away with nothing but a few scratches, physically, that is. Seeing his brother mauled in front of him would scar the boy for the rest of his short life. Maximus very nearly didn't survive at all. A villager in the nearby village had heard the attack echoing off the trees and called the oars. They managed to scare the beast away, but Maximus would never be the same. Alone. He woke alone with an unfamiliar ceiling above his head. Sunlight poured into the room. Had he missed his alarm? Maximus lifted his arm. Bandages? Why? 
And suddenly Maximus remembered the blood, the bite, biting, 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 scratching his wand. Where was his wand? He needed to get Finn to safety. Trapped in the panic and memories, Maximus never noticed the healer enter and cast a supervi. Technically, protocol called for dreamless sleep potion or a talking the patient down from their panic, but you couldn't pay him enough to actually get that close to a dark creature. Within a few days, Maximus was left, was led out of St. Mungo's. What ailed him they couldn't treat. Scratches and bites from a werewolf could not be healed by magical means, and they weren't the real problem anyway. As he waited for the last marks to finish closing, Maximus tried to contact his instructor to explain why he was missing training. He wasn't terribly worried. He had taught marks in the program, and a medical emergency was surely just cause for his absence. His letters returned unopened, and the only communication he received from the Aura Department was a reminder to register himself as a lycanthrope with the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, and a letter dismissing him from the program he had spent years working towards? Surely it was a mistake. The program was broken, but he wasn't a monster. He wasn't like the creature that attacked him and Finn. Father would get it all sorted out. His visit with his family did not go as expected. Finn wasn't allowed near him, and his mother wouldn't even enter the room. They were scared of him. It was his father that dealt the final blow. Haven't you hurt and traumatized this family enough? Father... It's me, Maximus, your son. Something's wrong. The Aura Academy has kicked me out for missing a few days of training. People don't seem to realize that I'm the victim. They're treating me as if I, that I was a monster that attacked Finn and me. Aura Stone laughed bitterly. You are the monster. Werewolves are monsters. And at the moment you were bitten, Maximus Donovan Stone died. Of course the Academy kicked you out. People call us for protection against beasts like you. You think they would want to come to their aid? You're mad. I have one son, and I'm duty-bound to protect him from the likes of you. Be gone with you, beast. Maximus, no name, ran off. Finn's cries from an upper window, muted by his father's hateful words ringing in his head. His father's prediction proved true. No one wanted help or to work alongside a werewolf, no matter how innocent. Even Muggles seemed to sense that he wasn't what they wanted. Scars and monthly injuries did not scream employee of the month or year. Eventually, no name came across others of his kind. What he saw was eye-opening. They weren't monsters. On the contrary, Lycan showed more compassion towards others, especially children, than could be seen among wizards. Child abuse did not exist in this community, nor, were, nor was there discrimination of any kind that he could see. Bites by werewolves were actually uncommon, since those with the condition would rather run in groups away from wizards than risk being attacked while the wolf was in control. New werewolves were welcomed. Children who were abandoned would be brought into the fold as soon as they could be located. Adults weren't actively sought, but were welcome once they found their way home. Maximus No Name had 
found a home. His wish to protect children never abated, and when a young, recently turned muggle-born joined them, he took the boy under his wing. The boy had come to them black and blue, not from the attack, but from his family for having magic. It was then that Maximus found his calling. He had seen enough abuse before the bite and after to realize that the human race was twisted. Rather than leave the young ones to the abuse, would it not be better to bite as many as he could? Give them sanctuary and offer them an opportunity in a society that knew how to protect the young. It was slow going. Not many agreed with his plan in the beginning, and Maximus himself could only turn one or two poor full moon without help. He eventually decided to leave the community, taking his few followers with him. Between them, however, they managed to bring twenty children into the fold within the first year. They had to be careful and plan well who their victims would be. If the child was too young, they would be unlikely to survive, and if they were too old, they may not be willing to see reason and how this new life was to their benefit. Finn Stone was not a happy boy. Since his brother's exile and the death of his mother, his father had become increasingly manic and addicted to fire whiskey. Finn was expected to carry on the family tradition of being a great horror when he truly just wanted to paint or have adventures exploring the world. He certainly didn't want to have to join the force that had kicked his brother out for saving him. That, of course, ignored that he was almost ten and hadn't expressed any accidental magic yet. He knew that his father was getting impatient. Thankfully, he didn't take the action some families did when their child was a late bloomer. Instead, they were headed to meet some healer his dad was sure could bring his magic out. You'll be the greatest war of the age, son. We just had to get your magic to show itself first. Jeremiah, I reckon, can help with that. Or Stone had explained as the two walked down Nocturne Alley. Little did he know that he was actually taking his son to someone who worked with Maximus. Late bloomers were the largest at-risk group that the werewolves had access to, after all. The families who took their children to Jeremiah Rickett would find the process could take a month or two, with three to four private meetings with the child a week. As the children came to trust Jeremiah, he would check them for signs of abuse and the likelihood that they would transition well into life as a werewolf. He would also introduce them to an elder from Maximus's group of werewolves to make things easier once they were bitten. Then, on the first full moon possible, these deemed acceptable would find themselves bitten, a new home awaiting them once their parents cast them out. It was through this process that the two brothers became reacquainted. Let me get this straight. You're the big bad wolf that has all the oars up in arms, and you're still going by the name our parents gave you? I hope you don't expect me to, to call me Finn after I've been changed. I want a really cool wolf name. Wasn't there a wolf creature in those Norse mythology stories named Fenrir? Maximus just nodded. He had never imagined that he would see his brother again, never mind have him actively want to be changed into a werewolf. Nonetheless, the plan was made. Just before full moon, Finn would meet up with his brother at the edge of the property. It was there that the bite would be administered. 
Maximus did not have control of his wolf. However, the goal to turn and protect as many youth as possible was so inherent to his inner being that his wolf had never bitten a child more than once. Adults who tried to interfere, however, were another matter. On the day of the full moon, a drunk or stone came into his son's room to find him drawing pictures. The boy's interest in art was annoying, but it could be let go, since Jeremiah had written to state that the results should be seen within the next week or so. "'What are you drawing, son?' Orstone asked to make conversation. "'Hmm? Oh, just some wolves,' Finn answered abstractly. Orstone noticed that the wolves in question seemed to fit the description of a werewolf more than they did a normal wolf, and he angrily noted that they seemed to be drawn in an almost peaceful manner.' He had met with multiple families who had recently lost children to the beasts, and seeing his son draw something that seemed almost sympathetic to them made him want to curse whoever had placed the idea in his head. "'Look at me when I speak to you,' he admonished his boy. He had to get to the bottom of this immediately. Too angry to even try verbal interrogation, he used legends to peek into his son's mind, and what he saw did not help his anger one bit." Finn was quite certain that he was a squib. Jeremiah had reintroduced him to Maximus, and Finn was planning on being changed. Father, you're hurting me! Orstone's anger wrecked havoc on the boy's whom mind he was in. Finn imagined that his head hurt like it had been hit with a crucio. The description snapped Orstone out of his son's head, but did not snap him out of his irrational fury. This boy would dare describe that as being like a crucio. What did the squib know? He wanted to be a werewolf, after all. He had to be shown the folly of that idea. By the time Orstone came back to himself, an untold number of attacks had rained down on his youngest. Blood painted the room, and life had left the, along, the body long before. Moonrise had nearly come when another burst into the room, drawn by the smell of blood. When Maximus saw the lifeless body of his brother, the wolf burst forth, determined to get revenge. Maximus awoke that morning to two corpses, one caused by him, the other an innocent victim. As flames burnt the stone family home to the ground, Maximus, no name, died. What rose from the ashes looked similar from the outside, a werewolf biting innocent children, but Fenrir Greyback's motivations were no longer for the betterment of the children. Lichen numbers would rise like never before. Children taken without regard, wizards would pay for the crimes committed on this night. All right. And that, my dear friends, is going to be a pause for now. And we're going to take just a quick break, and then we'll rejoin you. And um, it'll be just a moment. All right. Hi, and welcome back. So sorry, just had to take a quick pause. All right, so this story does have an inter interesting break. It looks like that was supposed to or could be a plausible end. However, 
there is um, a little bit more to this story, and it's almost as a secondary chapter. I almost like the story ending as it did, but here's a little bit more, so, so let's keep going. Name Seer Seas. And this is chapter summary. Before the birth of their first child, Aura and Mrs. Stone meet with the name seer who tried to warn them. So this is almost a prequel to the story we just read. So with that, let's go ahead and read this. There are a lot of misconceptions about name-seeing. The future is determined by innumerable choices. Turn left here, say no to him. A name-seer harnesses the inner eye to see the most likely routes of a child's life will take and provides a name accordingly. Names really influence an individual's life path on a large scale. The stones were not your typical case. When Agatha Cartwright met the stone, she mentally began thinking of names that would be appropriate for a strong or lineage. Families like the stones were so boring. Every generation walked in the path of the father. It wasn't unusual for the perfect name to belong to an ancestor. Don't be so quick to judge the voice of her long-dead mother, whispered in her head. Names really have overly strong significance on the life path of the bearer, but are exceptions. There are exceptions to every rule. Rather than seeing a mishmash of possible life events all converging on the same general pathway, two very distinct pathways formed before names here. Some events converging while others stood apart. Both paths led to a life of struggles. Both led to the baby eventually becoming a werewolf. One path led to the prosperity of the Stone family and long-lasting fame for sparking a reformation. The other would lead to the eventual destruction of the entire family and infamy. Strangely enough, which one would win the day and seemingly be determined by the child's name? Fenrir Greyback Stone would not be any parent's first choice. Alas, twas along this path that glory could be found. Maximus Donovan Stone was a much more promising choice from which only death and destruction could form. Feeling somewhat queasy over the ghastly images that refused to leave her, Agatha told the couple, Two paths I see for the son of your womb. He shall be known as a protector and leader, a monster, a beast. One path begins with the struggle, but ends in peace. Fenrir Greyback is its name. The other begins with peace and ends in devastation. Maximus Donovan is its name. Pick a name. Choose a destiny. May Merlin help you to find comfort in your choice. Surely the seer was mistaken. Maximus Donovan was the obvious choice for a strong, healthy baby born mere seventeen hours later, not the name of a Norse monster. As the child grew and became a son to be proud of, the seer's words faded from memory to be forgotten with every setting sun. Strangely, the family chose to forego the traditional visit to a name seer with her second child. But his beautiful blonde curls and baby blue eyes made Finn a natural choice. Father, it's me, Maximus, your son. Something's wrong. The Aurora Academy has kicked me out for missing a few days of training. 
People don't seem to realize that I'm the victim. They're treating me as if I was a monster that attacked Finn and me. Horror Stone laughed bitterly. You are the monster. Werewolves are monsters, and the moment you were bitten, Maximus Donovan Stone died. Of course the Academy kicked you out. People call us for protection against beasts like you. You think they would want to come to to come to you to come to their aid? You're mad. I have one son, and I am duty-bound to protect him from the likes of you. Be gone with you, beast. Monster. Beast. Hearing her husband's words sent a knife through Mrs. Stone's heart as she remembered the name Seer's words. They were responsible for this. They gave him a name that had been cursed hours later. A woman's body would be found, her life taken presumably because she could not take the shame of her formal eldest being a wolf. What else could it be after all? And that, my dear friends, is a wrap. So with that, I'm going to take another quick break and I'll join you back quickly in just a few minutes. Hi, and welcome back to Sepa Stories. All right, so, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> had a small frog in my throat. Um, I, <laughs> I always say I love the story, but I really do absolutely, really love the story. Okay, so I thought I liked how this particular writer had invented all new characters. We didn't have any callbacks to canon characters or any um, real devices. This is a story of the Stone family as created by MAP. I'm going to abbreviate the author's pen name. And I liked the Maximus Donovan um, Stone name. And then of course we had Finn, his younger brother. So this was a brother-sibling story more than anything else. And I love that Maximus starts off um, being raised as heir apparent, if you will, you know, and and being raised with the destiny to follow in his father's footsteps. And, you know, already before he was even born, his father has already mapped out what his child's life will be. And that seems very rigid. And, you know, of course, what we know about pure-blooded wizarding families, um, it seems like their lifestyles are very rigid. So I thought that was that the story wonderfully details these circumstances of, of Maximus's life, you know, early life and the expectations placed on him by his family and him growing with that expectation that he would be what his father wanted him to be, that that was his meaning. And with the birth of his baby brother, Finn, that's like his whole world. You know, his, his baby brother is his whole world. And he wants to protect, you know, people like his brother. And when he goes back to Hogwarts, you know, he's he's sticking up for the underdog. And, you know, he's looking out for Muggleborns. And he sees how children who haven't really developed their magical skills, you know, or as, as in aura training, how they're being put at risk. And this calls back to Neville Longbottom's story of his uncle hanging him out the window. And he slipped and then he went bouncing down, you know, the path. And... So, but you had to think if he wasn't magical, that would have killed him. And, and so 
in other fan fiction stories, there is the creative device where pure-blooded pure families tend to disown or not talk about family members who are, are born with no magical ability. Um, like Filch's, the squib and the, the job that he gets at Hogwarts as being the caretaker or, you know, like the, the janitor of the school. And the students don't really treat him with any amount of respect. And so he's kind of a, a disagreeable and angry and, and hurt person um, that recalls Harry Potter seeing the the correspondence classes to learn magic, you know, and here Argus Filch is, you know, in the castle as a caretaker in a place of magical education. And, you know, he's writing for um, correspondence classes to learn how to be a wizard. So you could see how growing up, I guess, in a wizarding society with having no magic would set you apart and, and make you feel as if you weren't as good as anyone else and, and everyone else making you feel that way too and the pressure for your magic to exhibit you know being really heavy and and that's kind of sad because um, it's this unrealistic expectations of the demands that that some parents put on their kids and so I, I like the compare and contrast you know of course Rowling had alluded to this and created this in her canon stories and this writer really explores that device wonderfully and so that anything or anybody outside the realm of what is expected to be normal or traditional or correct you know is shunned and like Sirius Black being blasted off the family <laughs> the family tapestry um, for having ideologies that did not agree with the family's core beliefs you know that that this is a story that follows in that line here we have Maximus and he's top student top marks you know apple of his father's eye following his dad's footsteps devoted to his brother you know a good son and really trying to be the very best that he can be gets bitten and there was nothing he could do about that you know it was a circumstance that happened to him and overnight his entire life changes you know all of a sudden he is treated as less than and uh, banished from his family banished and his name even stripped from him going from Maximus Donovan Stone to Maximus no name I mean his father just I have no son I have one son you know and so to disregard the firstborn in this way in this sense you know is very telling of the society <clears throat> that the Harry Potter world exists in and that's really Hermione Granger's whole struggle and fight and taking up for creatures that you know are um, ridiculed or thought less of because they aren't wizarding you know that why should any other magical creature be considered less than because they don't carry a wand so and in this instance <clears throat> Maximus Stone I believe in the Harry Potter uh, canon I'm not sure if we ever see Fenrir carrying a wand I'm wanting to think in some fan fiction devices he is a wizard and others he is a werewolf but um, we know that Remus Lupin is a wizard and a werewolf and is very competent with both a wand and does um, undergo 
transformations. So I think it is possible to be both, you know, because we do have the example of Remus Lupin. So in this instance, we have Maximus Donovan, who top student at Hogwarts, and there is no help for him. He gets banished and he joins and finds a werewolf community and he sees that their way of life is a lot different than what he grew up with. That they're inclusive and even though they are as a species marginalized and treated, you know, with disdain by wizards who would, you know, hurt them and, and kill them if they were in wolf form. That's why they avoid the wizards um, and even muggles. You know, they try to stay to themselves. They have a society that seems to be different. And because different is different, it doesn't mesh with what the norm is. So I really love how the writer very skillfully um, details and shows this. And, of course, Maximus's motivations for wanting to rescue wizarding children that are being abused. Because at this time, you know, he's still all about saving those who are marginalized, who will be thrown out of their homes. And he has empathy for people or for wizards like this. So this is a person who is very compassionate. And I like seeing a dark character, you know, the Fenrir Greyback character. It's not a nice character in a canon book, but I like this origin story, this particular origin story for Fenrir. Um, I like the the werewolf character myself in the Harry Potter series. I think he's a lot of fun. And, you know, he's he's scary and wonderful. And, you know, he's a pure villain, you know, in the books. But I love how the story takes you and gives you a reason for why Fenrir is that way. So there's not a lot of origin stories for the Fenrir Greyback character. You either find him in fan fiction pieces that I've read over the years, um, you tend to see that maybe he, they tend to pair him with Hermione quite a bit, um, or sometimes like he's stalking, you know, the the golden trio, or, you know, he's left as a complicated character. Sometimes you have Fenrir Greyback switch sides and end up helping, you know, the Order of the Phoenix in fan fiction pieces. And this one, I loved that it was a origin story that rolls into or could very easily roll into the canon piece. And I love the device that the writer uses to, you have the story and how it ends and boom, bam, here you have the creation of Fenrir. And then you have kind of the this prophecy of the, the name caller, um, who the person who's reading names and predicting names for, for life, for and like, a, like a good luck thing, almost like... Um, almost like Trelawney in a way, uh, a prophecy, if you will. And, of course, this one can already see that this child, the, the Maximus child, you know, has two paths and both will be difficult. And she warns the parents, and, of course, the parents go with with what they think will work. And, of course, it doesn't. And so I love this kind of, you, you go through the whole prequel, and then you have this kind of momentary break. And I might want to see that differently as a reader, because for me, I was a little stumped in reading that, how I should present it. Reading it, I would almost take out any author notes and um, maybe maybe say something along the lines of, you know, 18 years previously or something like that to give a 
direct your reader to what you're trying to do and then as you're reading it it unfolds and you understand what happened and it brings you back you know full full story to the moment when Maximus you know Donovan is trying to talk to his father his father is disowning him and now we know that his mother um how she dies and so I I thought that that was a beautiful piece of writing I like to see it structured in maybe a bit differently, but it still works for me as a reader. I really like having that end piece. I think it makes it really cohesive and adds a little more depth to an already really well-written story. I love the Finn character. Oh, I really like Finn. I think that the six-year-old capturing of the character was perfect, you know, and... I like that he was open and interested in becoming a werewolf. He wanted to join his brother. To him, it would still be an adventure. And so you kind of see that through, even despite what's happened with, with Maximus and his father, he's a sad boy. He's not happy, you know, after his brother has been disowned and his mother, you know, is no longer living. But he's still drawing pictures, you know, and he's he's wanting to have adventures. And so he's got a gentle soul. And you could see that he would do well if he were turned and it would be in a group of of like-minded creatures um you could see him the finn character you know maybe everybody's destiny would be different if the finn character could have survived and become a werewolf and his father kills him so i thought that you know the vengeance that that consumes venerer in losing his brother was pivotal and you know, it's it's like every comic book villain, you know, origin story where you are sympathetic to the bad guy. It works. So I thought this was very masterfully written by Map, and I would want to see more of this particular story fleshed out into, you know, maybe the encounter now with Remus Lupin. Maybe Remus Lupin reminds um, the Maximus character of his younger brother. You know, maybe there's a complicated relationship there because you have to also remember that Dumbledore does send Remus back to the werewolves to try to find out what Voldemort's doing. So he does have contact with the same groups of lichens that. Um, that maybe perhaps Fenrir is following and there might still be some type of relationship or strange relationship between Remus and Fenrir that could still be explored further within the confines and realms of the story. I would love to read that as a reader. I'd love to see this story fleshed out and continued because um, I loved it. I thought this was really, really so much fun. And I like this. This was terrific. Um, I liked everything about the story. I like the hardness of the father. You know, he was quite disagreeable. I didn't like him at all. I liked the relationship between the two brothers, how loving it was and how protective um, the Maximus character is. I love that it was Finn who was trying to think of a name, and he's really the inventor of the name that Fenrir, you know, eventually adopts. It comes from Finn, and so that makes makes it have a little more poignancy and a little more depth and... You're like, oh, that's awesome. For me, and I've said this, it's it's the greatest compliment I can give a fan fiction piece of writing is, I think if a piece of fan fiction could be included in the canon and it makes sense and it work with the canon piece that it, you know, that it could be well enough that it was a side piece or you might see it on Pottermore, 
then that's a really wonderful piece of writing and to me that's what this is so this is definitely a writer if you liked this story please 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 um, check out more of this writer's work she's an amazing writer and check out fanfiction.net keep smiling number one and also you'd want to check out archive of our own uh, stories by map monsters are perceptions and I think the name's telling too. the pen name works really well with the story so with that I hope that you've enjoyed this fan fiction story I will be reading and posting up another one and this one is um, I'm, I'm kind of exploring werewolves, so I think I'm going to have another werewolf story coming up for you. Uh, we will see. Maybe perhaps a Voldemort story. I, I'm not certain. We'll, we'll see what we come up to next. But thank you for listening to Seppa Stories. If you've enjoyed this, please give me a follow, a like, a share, a subscribe. And let your friends know that this podcast is out there if they like to hear stories about the fan fiction universe. So with that, we will see you next time on Seppa Stories.